Father, today we humble ourselves before you. We come to you in the name of Jesus, by the blood of Jesus Christ. And we thank you, Father God, for the name that's above every name that you've given to us. The holy, spotless name of Jesus. And Father, today we just submit ourselves to you, Lord, to hear from heaven. Open our eyes, open our ears, that we may see and may hear truths from heaven that will transform our very lives. In Jesus' name, amen. You're going to like this one today. Praise the Lord. If you have your Bibles, go to Romans chapter 8 and verse 32. Romans chapter 8 and verse 32. I wanted to wrap this up today. As we said, anybody that you read about in the Bible, whether Old Testament, New Testament, that did anything for God or received anything from the Lord, whether it was a victory in their body, whether it was a healing, whether it was a child's deliverance, whether it was a safety issue, all of them where the common thread, I should say, with all those people, Old Testament, New Testament people, Joshua, Moses, Noah, they, were, they persevered, they were persistent, they were determined to not give up and not quit. How many of you know the easiest thing in the world to do is quit? Didn't take any effort at all. There's a lot of quitters in this world. But you know what? If we're going to receive anything from the Lord, we can't quit. Amen? Sometimes people give up with the least amount of pressure that comes on them. Think, dear God, why isn't this working? It is working. It's just the devil's trying to put pressure on you to back off the Word of God. Amen? Jesus talked about that in Mark chapter 4 about the parable of the sower, how that the Word was the seed, the ground was the heart. And it's, it's, Jesus talked about all the different obstacles that would try to come to choke the Word of God, the cares of this life, the deceitfulness of riches, the lust of other things, persecution, affliction, tried to come against you know, the Word to get the Word out of our hearts. But those that received a hundredfold return, as He said, were those that not only spoke the Word of God, but believed the Word of God and acted upon the Word of God. Amen? Now, in Romans chapter 8 and verse 32... Before I read this scripture here, I want to say this. I am so impressed with Jesus. He's my superhero. Amen. You know, we talk nowadays, you know, people talk about superheroes. People got kids, got posters on their walls, you know. You know who my superhero is? Always is the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And he outshines everybody. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Forget about Spider Man, <laughs> forget about Batman. How about Jesus Man? Amen. He's, he's, he's the real deal. I mean, I think everything else is fake, praise the Lord. But in uh, everything that Jesus did, I was thinking about this early, actually at 4.30 this morning, I was thinking about this, how that everything that Jesus did and is doing today, you know, there's a present day ministry of Jesus Christ. He's at the right hand of God the Father where He ever lives to make intercession for us. Hallelujah. But everything that Jesus did and is doing he did not do it for His benefit, but for our benefit, Amen. for us. Isn't that wonderful? Everything He did was not for His sake, but for our sake. Selfless, unselfish, loving. Everything that He did and continues to do, He does it for our benefit. Oh, what love God has towards us. And with that, scripture, with that in mind, look at this scripture in Romans 8. It says, He... Talking about God that spared not His own Son, Jesus, but delivered Him up for us all. How shall He not with Him also freely give us all things? Well, did God hold back His very best from us? No. He didn't, did He? No. Now, Joshua had bring up the Passion Translation of this verse right here. And... Uh, this is a newer translation. It's not a paraphrase. This is a translation of the Bible, and I, I find it extremely accurate and encouraging. And it says, For God has proved His love by giving us the greatest treasure, the gift of His Son. And since God freely offered up as a sacrifice for us all, He certainly won't withhold from us anything else He has to give. Isn't that good? Now let me paraphrase that. This is the Keith's translation here. That if God didn't hold back His very best from, from you and me, He didn't, everything else is a fringe benefit. In other words, 
that Jesus was the most expensive thing that God ever gave. The Bible says we've not been redeemed with corruptible things like silver and gold. Think about that. But with the precious blood of Jesus. Now we know that in the natural, in this earth, silver and gold are very costly. But there's something more valuable than that, the blood of Jesus. And God did not redeem you with gold and with silver and with precious stones and gems and things and metals and so forth. He redeemed you with the most expensive thing that ever existed and ever will exist. It's the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Amen? A price that you couldn't pay, He paid it for you. Isn't that wonderful? Peter talks about that precious, precious blood for us. Amen? I want to give you heaven's perspective on this this morning because this is so important. When you buy a car or a truck or whatever, you know, let's just say a car, does the steering wheel come with it? Do the seats come with it? All things being equal, you understand, a normal vehicle. I'm not talking about a sports vehicle or something or a race car, you know. Uh, Does the brake and the gas pedal come with it? Okay. Does the gas tank come with the car? Okay. That's all inclusive. When God gave you His Son, He said He wouldn't spare anything else that's a fringe benefit. That said, He that spared not His own Son, the most expensive thing, how shall He not with Him also freely give us everything else? Everything else. Paul said, All things are yours to the church. That's us. He said, All things are ours. Amen. All things. Now, don't look like you've just been to a funeral when I say that. Amen. Seriously. Say, all things, all things are, mine. are mine. Now, see, when you believe that, you get excited. Amen. If you don't believe it, you get a frown on your face. Amen. Now, God did not withhold His very best. Now, go to Psalm 107 for a minute here. And let's look at verse 1 and 2 here. And like I said, we're going to conclude this series today about determined. And I want to show you some keys here today about our redemption, what belongs to us. You know, there's the legal side of our redemption, but then there's the vital side of our redemption. The legal side, for example, is the fact that Jesus died for the sins of the whole world. Did He? We, We know that. The Bible says, for God so loved the world, the entire world. Past, present, future. Amen? That's the legal side, right? For God so loved the world that He gave. Here's the vital side. That whosoever believes on Him would not perish but have everlasting life. So you got God's part and then our part. The legal side, the vital side. Amen? Now what we're going to talk about today is we're, we're going to see what Jesus, what God has provided for us, but then we're going to ta- tap into the vital side where we take it and it becomes ours. Okay? We have to be aggressive to receive what God has given to us. Not be timid, not be bashful, not be backward, but we need to be bold about taking what belongs to us. Praise God. This might be the only sermon in Pittsburgh today that you're going to hear how to tap into that. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Amen? Or in the tri-state area, praise the Lord. Now, in, in, in Psalm 107, verses 1 and 2, it says, Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for He is good, and His mercy endureth forever. Verse 2, Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom He hath redeemed from the hand of the enemy. Now, what this doesn't say is, Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Like, So? <laughs> no, it says, "Let the rede- here's what they're supposed to say. Here's the redeemed of the Lord says, that the Lord has redeemed us from the hand of the enemy. Now, we've, we've sang songs about that. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, right? Well, this is where this came from right here in Psalm 107. So, the no- in other words, the redeemed of the Lord has to have a voice. You've got to say something. Amen? This is the vital side of our redemption. God has already provided everything for us, but the redeemed of the Lord, that's us. We have to say something to make it happen and bring it to pass inside of our lives. Amen? Now, we live in a day, we live in an age where things are motion activated and voice activated. Amen? 
our phones are like that. You can speak into it and it'll talk right back to you. Praise God. We don't think anything about it. <laughs> right? But the kingdom of God is the original voice activation. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom the Lord hath. Say has. Now I want to ask you a question. Is that past, present, or future? Okay. Hath or has, that's, a, that's an old English word, but we would say has. The Lord has redeemed us, has, past tense, from the hand of the enemy. You're not going to be redeemed from the hand of the enemy. You have been redeemed right now from the hand of the enemy. Now, the way, by the way, some people talk, some believers talk, believing unbelievers, is that you're not going to get anything until you get to heaven. But that's not true. The Bible says God prepares a table before us in the presence of our enemies. There's no enemies in heaven. But He provides provision for us here now in this earth right now. Now go to Galatians chapter 3 for a minute here. I want to show you something here. This is so dear and so precious to the heart of God and, and it will be to us. Amen. Here's how I know because I know what's worked for me and continues to work for me and will work for me should Jesus tarry even 20 years from now. Amen. Praise the Lord. I have received many times different things from the Lord by declaring and making declarations of what the Word of God says. In Galatians chapter 3 and verse 13, the Bible says, Paul, I should say, by the Holy Ghost said, Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law being made a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. Amen. Now notice the word hath or has. Christ hath. Remember that? Remember that? Let the redeemed of the Lord say so that the Lord hath, past tense, redeemed us from the hand of the enemy. Did you know you're already delivered from the power of darkness? It says that. You have been delivered from the power and authority of darkness. And you have been translated into the kingdom of His dear Son right now. Now this says right here that Jesus Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us, for it's written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. Now did Jesus hang on a tree? We'll say cross, but that's a tree. Wood, right? Now I had something happen to me probably eight years ago, something like that, seven or eight years ago. And the Holy Spirit, it was like, a, like a, you ever, you know, in your house you lift those shades and the shades go up and the sunlight comes in. It was kind of like that, but not in the natural, in the spiritual realm. It was like a shade was pulled up and the sunlight came in. And I saw something and I never had seen it. I never heard it preached like this before. The Holy Ghost just downloaded instant revelation to me. And, he, and the Lord said this to me. He says, Keith, he goes, do you, know what, do you want to know who the most cursed person was that ever walked the earth? Now I'm thinking like Hitler, <laughs> you know, Mussolini, you know, Gorbachev or one of those guys. He says, no, I was. He said, I was the most cursed man that ever walked this earth. And I stopped and thought about that for a minute. I don't know that I've ever heard that before. The Bible says that Jesus took the curse. Now, He didn't just take your curse alone. He took the entire universe. All of people from the past, the present, and the future. Jesus was the sum total of all of the curse. He was the most... That's why Isaiah, when He foretold in the Spirit, when He prophesied that Isaiah said, when He saw Jesus, He said he was, His visual, visual image was so marred that He didn't even look like a man. It wasn't a pretty thing to look at. Why? Because God, all of God's judgment fell on Jesus. The Bible says it pleased the Lord God, Jehovah, to bruise Him. Why? For us. For us. God commendeth His love towards us, demonstrates His love towards us, that while we were yet sinners, He sent His Son to die for us. Praise God. Now, I, start, I started to see this. Jesus took, in Galatians 3.13, He became the sum total of all of the curse. He became, a, notice this, 100% of the curse. 
so that you and me could take a hundred percent of the blessing. <clears throat> Glory to God. Say, I am blessed. I'm not cursed. I'm blessed. Now, before I knew Jesus, I was under a curse. So were you. All of us were. But when you came to Jesus and you made Jesus your Lord and your Savior, Jesus took your curse. He became the, the embodiment of the curse so that you could receive all the blessing. Now, I use percentages. Jesus became 100% of the curse so that you could be 100% blessed. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now listen, I don't care if you came out of a family of fortune tellers and soothsayers, whatever that is. <laughs> All the demonic realm. When you came to Jesus, you got delivered from the curse. Now the devil does play upon ignorance because if you don't know something, he can take advantage of you. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 2, 11, less, less Satan should take advantage of us for we're not ignorant of his devices. When we're ignorant of Satan's devices, he can take advantage of us. But the good news is, is when you know how he functions and how he operates and your position in the Lord Jesus Christ, that you are the blessed of the Lord, he cannot overtake you and he won't overtake you. Amen. Now, feelings can throw a curveball. <laughs> you know that. I know that. Everybody knows that. You know, it's like that song, feelings, oh, feelings. <laughs> Remember that? And a lot of Christians live by that. But see, we're blessed whether we feel like it or not. Now, I will say this. Your feelings, will, they will line up. Maybe not at first, but they will line up. When you begin to declare and decree, I am blessed of the Lord. Sometimes I'll walk around for several minutes in any course of a day, and I'll just say, oh, Lord, thank you that I am so blessed. Get up in the morning. I thank you that I am blessed. Now, I don't feel anything. No goosebump. You know, nothing in the natural. But I say, oh, Father, thank you. Thank you that I am blessed today. I receive the blessing today. Amen. Now, there in Galatians 3, look at verse 29. It says this in verse 29, that if you be Christ, then you're Abraham's seed, heirs according to the promise. So I'm glad that that verse was written too because a lot of people think, well, that's just talking to the Jewish, the Israelites and so forth. But then he goes on to say here, if you be Christ, in other words, if you belong to Christ, you're Abraham's seed, heirs according to the promise. Say, I am blessed. I am blessed. Praise God. Now, the Bible says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. So, here's what I want you to begin to develop and say every day. I am blessed. You can sing psalms about it. I am blessed, Lord. I am so blessed because of Jesus. Just make your own song up. It will come right up out of your spirit. Amen. And then you'll begin to operate that. You'll begin to function in that. And so, to the extent that Jesus became the curse is to the extent that you and I are blessed. Amen. Oh, I am blessed and highly favored. Now, some, a lot of people don't understand that. People hear a preacher say something like that and think, who in the world does he think he is? Well, I'll tell you who he thinks he is. He knows who he or she is in Christ Jesus. Because in Christ, we have everything. I am super and you are super blessed in the Lord Jesus Christ. May the light of that dawn upon our hearts today. I am blessed. I'm not cursed. Now sometimes, you know, uh, believers that don't have knowledge, that don't lack of understanding, they begin to say things. I feel like I'm living under a curse. I've heard people actually say that, Christians. Well, that's, that's not true. Now you can get back under the curse. <laughs> Amen. And start saying the wrong things and start believing the wrong things. You can get back under a curse, but you don't belong there because Jesus took the curse. And I believe the Bible, even Paul said this, he goes, I don't frustrate the grace of God. How do, what, what are some of the ways you can frustrate the grace of God by not believing what he already says about you? I can tell you this. Whenever you come to this church, whether it's a Sunday morning, a Bible study, or any other service, 
you are going to hear something that's going to build you up, edify you, and put you on top and take you out from underneath the barrel. Because that's the message, the good news of Jesus Christ. And he's come to lift us. He didn't come to beat the sheep. Did Jesus, you know, the Bible says that Peter, after Jesus' resurrection, Peter, Jesus said to him, he says, Peter, do you love me? Three times. He said, if you do, feed my sheep. And then he goes, feed my lambs. What's a lamb? It's a baby sheep. Amen. He says, don't beat the sheep, feed the sheep. Because when you feed the sheep, then they'll grow up. Then they'll mature. Then they'll come to a full knowledge of what, who they are, what they have, and what they can do in the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise God. So again, to the extent that Jesus took the curse is to the extent that we take the blessing. That's what the Lord began to show me. Jesus was the most cursed man that ever walked this earth. Someone says, well, Brother Keith, what about now? He's not there and he became the curse. But now he's the resurrected Lord. Amen. Praise God. He's not cursed anymore. And neither are you or me. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Now, when it says in Galatians 3 that Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, the first question that hits my mind is, okay, what's the curse of the law? Well, in short, if you go back to the Old Testament, especially the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 28. Now, we'll not read because of time here today. But the Lord told Israel, He said, here's the blessings of the law if you keep the law, and here's the curse of if you disobey the law, you know, and that there's all kinds of curses of sickness and disease and poverty and your kids being taken away into captivity, all kinds of things that are under the curse. But then you break it down into, it's actually threefold. The curse of the law is poverty, sickness and disease, and spiritual death or separation from God. Now the blessings, you know, we're redeemed from the curse of the law. We're not redeemed from the blessing. The blessing, the Lord told Abraham, he says, I'll bless you in the city. I'll bless you in the field. I'll bless your basket. I'll bless your store. I'll bless you coming in. Bless you going out. I'll bless everything you put your hand to. I'll bless your children. I'll bless your body, the fruit of your body. Amen. Talked about not having miscarriages and stuff like that. All kinds of good stuff. And those are the things that belong to us in Christ Jesus. He, he, he also lists a whole host of different sicknesses and infirmities and diseases, you know. And then he even said in verse 63 of, of uh, Deuteronomy 28, he says, And every sickness and every disease that's not even written in this book is under the curse. Some of it you can say, oh, oh that's, you know, inflammation. All right? All these different curses. But if you had an infirmity that you can't find in Deuteronomy 28, verse 63 says it's all covered. <laughs> it's all covered. Now Jesus took that curse for us. So this is the first thing I wanted to look at today is that you are redeemed from the curse unto the blessing. As a spiritual exercise, I want you to say this with me once again. Say, I am blessed. I am blessed. Totally blessed. Totally blessed. Because of Jesus. Hallelujah. That's the first thing I wanted to look at. Now go to, to uh, 2 Corinthians, the 5th chapter, over there in the New Testament. Oh, glory to God. This just gets better and better and better. And in 2 Corinthians, the 5th chapter, the 20th, first verse, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 21. So the first thing we looked at is that Jesus became the cursed total so that you could be going, you are blessed. Thank you, Lord. I don't know when you just, it does, what it does to me is when I know that and I believe that, I don't walk around like a cursed man. It lifts my, my, my head. It lifts me up. It lifts my countenance. It gives me an expectation. Amen. Now here in 2 Corinthians 5.21, the Apostle Paul by the Holy Spirit said this. He said, uh, For he hath made him Jesus, God hath made him Jesus, to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. All right. Now let's go back to this percentage thing again. Let's use our mathematics skills here. <laughs> Jesus Christ 
took 100% of your sins. He didn't leave anything there. Because if he did, that would be a partial salvation. And there's no partial righteousness people that go to heaven. The Bible says, He, God, hath made him, Jesus, to be sin. In other words, let me say it again. Jesus took 100% of your sin. 100%. So that you could take 100% of his righteousness. Now, what does that mean? Right standing with God. E.W. Kenyon said it like this, Righteousness is the ability to stand in the presence of God without the sense of guilt, inferiority, as if sin never existed. Somebody say, wow. Wow. Say it backwards. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) Say, I am righteous. Now, sometimes that, that catches some people because they think, oh, who am I to say that? The Bible says there's no none righteous, no, not one. That's talking about before we were in Christ Jesus. You're not unrighteous now. Amen? You were born, you didn't, in other words, you didn't work for it. There was no... thing that you had to do to work to get righteous? You didn't, or a better words, graduate? You didn't finally get to the point where you're like, oh, I've done so many things now. Now I'm righteous. No, listen, the Bible says we receive the gift of righteousness in Romans chapter 5, verse 17. They which receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Hallelujah. So if you're going to reign in life, if we're going to reign in life, we've got to know that we're righteous. Now I know how the old slewfoot is. He'll come along and say, oh, look at what you did. Look at how you think. Look at your, you know, here's how the devil operates. He'll come and give you a bad thought and then he'll condemn you for thinking that thought. If you're such a pretty Christian, if you're really, you know, if you're really a gung-ho Christian, then why'd you have that bad thought? Well, listen, the devil just brought that thought. So it didn't originate with you. Isn't that amazing how the devil will put a thought in your mind? You'll think upon it and say, oh God, why am I thinking that thought? Listen, the devil, he just brought a thought to you. That's not your thought. Now, they used to mess with me when I was a young believer. I'm telling you, early on in my life, my Christian walk, is I would have bad thoughts go through my head, and I didn't know this stuff. And I would have bad thoughts go through my mind and words in my mind about God. And I'm thinking, Oh, God, Lord, what am I doing? Why am I thinking like this? And it, it, it brought so much condemnation on me. I was probably 17, 18 years old at the time. And I didn't, this is before I got into a good church. And I was always under this guilt and condemnation that I love God, absolutely. But I had these evil thoughts coming at me about God, you know, and I'm thinking, oh, Lord, what is going on here? Now, I don't know if you've ever had that happen to me. But see, the devil plays upon ignorance. But when I got into my full gospel church, a Rhema graduate that started a church back in the 70s, glory to God, he began to teach about thoughts, how they're demonic, you know, and that you need to cast those thoughts down and so forth. Like 2 Corinthians chapter 10 says, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty God through the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations. Amen. So all of us have thoughts that come to us, even now, today. I don't mean in the service right now, but I mean, you know, when you go about your business, how many of you ever had a bad thought come to you about yourself or about somebody else? Some weird, way crazy thought, and you thought, holy smokes, where'd that come from? Well, listen, if it's a bad, destructive thought, you know where it came from the pit of hell. So you can say, that's not my thought. That's you, devil. And I'll tell you what, it set me free. Oh, I'm telling you what, I was a new person when I began to realize all that time I was getting those bad, wicked thoughts. Those were originating from the enemy and they really weren't me to begin with. Now, here's the point I'm trying to make is this. When you come to Jesus Christ, He took all of your sin so that you could take all of His righteousness or right standing. That means you have right standing with God. 
Now Peter even goes on to say, he says, the eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous and his ears are open unto their prayers. Hallelujah. So I, I tell you, this helps, this will help you. It helps me greatly when I understand when I pray. I'm not, I don't have to go by how I feel. I thank you, Lord, that you made me the righteousness of God in Christ. I thank you that you hear me when I pray. Now most of the time, if not all the time, when I pray, when I go before the Lord, I remind myself of that. You know, you get up in the morning, you're half awake, and your body's talking to you. <laughs> you don't feel very spiritual. Am I the only one? And so, you know, you go before the Lord. I tell you what I go. Father, I just thank you that you made me righteous because of the blood of Jesus Christ. Thank you that you have an ear to my prayer. And when I pray today, I believe that you hear me. And when I pray, I believe things are happening. Glory to God. And something stirs up on the inside of me because I'm activating the righteousness that Jesus provided for me. So that when I can pray, I can become a praying whiz, if you will. You don't have to wait for some special feeling or goosebump or this or that. I'm telling you some of the most powerful things that you will, you will experience. Now we see Jesus, Jesus Christ was righteous before God. And you'll see him praying and he'll say things like, Father, at the tomb of Lazarus, he said, Father, I thank you that you always hear me. That's righteousness praying. Amen. That you always hear me. So Jesus took all of your sin so that you don't have to have a sin consciousness. You say, well, pastor, what about, I've had some struggles in the flesh. I've had some sins that I'm dealing with in the flesh. Listen, that's the flesh. But if you train your spirit to be governed by, if you train yourself to be governed by your spirit, the things in the natural, in the flesh, will fall by the wayside. For example, in Corinthians, Paul the Apostle said this, Awake to righteousness and sin not. Now most people say that in reverse. Quit sinning and then awake to the fact that you're righteous. That's not the way it's written. He said to the church, Awake to righteousness and sin not. When you realize that you're the righteousness of God in Christ, and you receive that, you won't want to do wrong anymore. Amen. You won't want to do wrong anymore. Why? Because righteousness. You realize you're the righteousness of God. Praise God. And you'll pass up some marvelous opportunities to sin when it comes your way. So no, I'm the righteousness of God. I can't do that. I can't look at that. I can't listen to that. Why? Because I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. I don't need that. Praise God. Praise All right. So Jesus took the curse so you could be blessed. Secondly, he took all of your sin so that you could take all of his righteousness and right standing. Folks, uh, if, you were to, if you were not righteous... You would not, if you left this earth, you would not go to heaven. I wouldn't go to heaven. You wouldn't go to heaven. There's no unrighteous people in heaven. So that must mean that you have to become righteous on the earth in order to have the doorway to go into heaven. Okay? See, the Bible says that your spirit man is perfect. That's the part of you that got born again, not your head, not your mind, not your body. But your spirit, you're a three-part being. And when you got born again, you came to Jesus. What was that part of you that became wall-to-wall -wall God? Your spirit. Your spirit. Now, that's, that's, that's why Christian growth is so essential. Because when you grow in the things of God, a lot of people like to be entertained in their thinking, but they're not feeding their spirit. But God wants to feed your spirit. Because when you feed your spirit... You can overcome any adversity in the flesh. The Bible even says, in Proverbs says, the strong spirit of a man will sustain him even in bodily weakness. If your spirit man is strong, you can have adversity come against you in the natural. But if your spirit is strong, you can stand up against that and say, no, you don't, devil. You're not coming my way. And you will win. Amen. But if our spirit man is weak, and it's harder to stand against those things. But the good news is, is we can become strong. Amen. Go to Matthew chapter 8 here. 
Matthew chapter 8. And let's look at the third thing. Now again, everything Jesus did, He did it for me, He did it for you. He didn't do it for Himself. He did it because of His love for me and for you. Oh, the great, wonderful love of our Father. How much does He love us? Oh, man. (laughs) I received the Father's love today. Praise God. Perfect love cast out fear. When you know, now what that's talking about is this. When you understand how much you're loved, fear has no grip on you. Why? Because the Lord is going to take care of you. And that's a good thing to remind yourself of that. Oh, perfect love. Understanding God's love for me will cast out any fear because whatever comes my way, I know that my Father's going to take good care of me. He's going to take good care of you. He's going to take... Now, it may look at times like you're going to sink and not swim. It may look at times like you're, you're going under. But if you hang on to the fact that God loves you, He gave everything for you, fear just goes out the back door. Praise God. Now, over in Matthew chapter 8 and verse 16, it says this. We'll look at these two verses, 16 and 17. When evening was come, they brought unto him, that's Jesus, many that were possessed with demons, and he cast out the spirit with his word, and he healed all that were sick. Underline that phrase, he healed all that were sick. All. Say all. All. Now, if he healed all, that means there was none left, right? Now, notice the next verse. That it might be fulfilled that which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, Himself took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. That's the phrase I want you to see right there. Isaiah said this. He's quoting, of course, he's out of Isaiah 53. Himself, Jesus, took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. Let's go back again to our mathematics. 100%. Jesus took 100% of your sicknesses, disease, and notice this, pains. That's the Hebrew word in Isaiah 53. He took your sicknesses, your disease, and your pains. He took it for you so that you could take his health. Glory to God. Father, thank you so much for your great love. Thank you, Lord. Now, what you need to do is you need to meditate on that. No, don't just mentally acknowledge that and say, yep, I see that, and go about your business. Now, what we need to do is we need to meditate. Praise God. Huh, Father Key, you mean cross my legs, sitting on the ground? That's not what I'm talking about here. <laughs> meditate means to, you know, you picture people sitting there like this and their legs crossed and they're meditating. That's not biblical meditation. I don't know what that is, but it's not biblical meditation. Amen. That's some Chinese guru doing that. You know. But I'm talking about true biblical meditation is you ponder, you think, you imagine, you speak, you mutter, and you say it over himself. Jesus took my infirmity, took all my sicknesses, all my diseases. I'm telling you what, you'll have a feast laying there on the back, your backside on your bed, and you lay there and you meditate. Like David says, I will meditate upon my bed. I'll lay across my bed and I'll meditate. I'll think. I'll ponder. I'll imagine. I'll, that's what I do. I lay upon my bed and I'll think and I'll, oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You took all of my sicknesses, all of my diseases, and all my pains so that I could be healthy and made whole. Oh, what great love the Father has bestowed upon us. Amen. And, and to that, I give God the praise and the honor and the glory. Praise God. Now, I know that all of us are different places in our lives spiritually. I know that. Any, any church that's out there, there's people, everybody's at different places spiritually in their walk with God, you know. Some are stronger in faith in these things, and maybe others are maybe just getting a hold of it. You, you with me? But the good thing is, is all of us have the potential to become strong in faith in these particular areas. It's what we put our attention to that's going to determine the outcome. Okay? It's what we put our attention to. Okay, so again, 
Jesus took all of your 100% of your sicknesses and to the extent that He took your sickness and disease is to the extent that you take His health and healing. Amen. And that's a gift. You don't have to work for it. Did you have to work for your salvation? You don't have to work for your healing either. Because Jesus paid for you to have that. He paid for you to walk in that. Amen. Folks, listen, even back in Jesus' days, I heard somebody say this one time, that even, you know, this is back before they had chemicals and fertilizers and all that kind of stuff, you know. Everything was organic. (laughs) Back in Jesus' day, everything was organic. Talk about a Mediterranean diet, dear God. You know, but the Bible says there was all manner of sickness and disease among the people. No, diet's good, okay? I'm not preaching that, but it's good to put good stuff in your temple, right? Oh, yeah. God gave us a a brain to figure that one out, amen? Put good stuff in your body. So it's not just, per se, everything that you eat and drink. Sickness and disease is spiritual when it's real cause. There are people that eat organic 24-7 and they're still sick and they have disease in their body. So it's more than just the physical side of taking care of your temple. Because Jesus healed all manner of sickness and disease among the people. But when you realize that sickness and disease, Jesus took that. He took it on His, the Bible says, by His stripes you were healed in 1 Peter 2.24. Oh, He took Every 39 lashes on his back, every one of those beat, beatings that he took and the blood came out and pulled the bones and the, the uh, tissue of his body, that was done for you and for me before you we were ever born. Before you were ever born. Hallelujah. Now go to Luke chapter 13. We've got to wrap this up here this morning. But in Luke chapter 13, let's go over there real quick here. I just have two more scriptures here this morning. And we're going to seal the deal here today with our redemption. Amen? Amen. Seal the deal. I am blessed. I am not cursed. I, I am not unrighteous. I'm righteous because of the blood of Jesus. Amen? I am not sick. I am healthy. Amen. Now the Lord told Brother Kenneth Copeland, my spiritual father, said this years ago. He said, he said, the church is not the sick trying to get healed. The Lord told him, he says, my church is the healed that the devil's trying to make sick. That's a whole different perspective there. Amen. Yeah. Praise the Lord. Stop and think about that. But over here in Luke chapter 13, let's pick up in verse 10. And it says this. And Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. He was in church on a Saturday. That was the Sabbath. And behold, there was a woman which had a spirit of infirmity 18 years. 18. Say 18. 18. Now what year is this? 2018. Now I just heard a prophet and I'll share what he said here, and I thought it was pretty awesome. Hank Kuhneman, I think is his name. And he said this, the Lord showed him in 2018, this woman was bowed over for 18 years. But after the 18th year, she was free. And the Lord showed him that there's coming a freedom in 2018 to the church where we've been bowed over and couldn't lift up where you can't, can't look ahead. You can't look, all you see is baseboards and floors and people's feet. But in 2018 is our great loosening for the church and for us. Now it says right here, there was a, she was a woman which had a spirit of infirmity. So that was a devil. That was a devil. She had a spirit of infirmity 18 years. My goodness, that's a long time, isn't it? And was bowed together and couldn't in no wise lift herself up. So here's the picture. She's like this. There's a demon in her like this. She had a spirit of infirmity and she had to walk around like this. She couldn't straighten up for 18 years. That'll give you a backache right there. 
And it says, she couldn't lift herself up. Now look at verse 12. And when, she, when Jesus saw her, he called her. Now listen, this is a Jewish woman that had rights and privileges as a seed of Abraham, but she didn't know about it. And I'll prove that to you right here. When Jesus, verse 12, when Jesus saw her, he, he called her to him, and he said unto her, Woman, thou art loosed from thine infirmity. Now he's saying, she's still bowed over. She's still bowed over. And Jesus said, you're loosed. Well, I don't feel like I'm loosed. I'm still bent over. He's calling those things that be not as though they were. <laughs> Hallelujah. Are you getting this this morning? Some of you are going to have a Holy Ghost fit this morning. Amen. That's okay. Glory to God. And uh, verse, verse 13 says, When he laid hands on her, immediately she was made straight and glorified God. So he laid hands on her. That's one of the ways you impart healing to people, right? Lay hands on them. But notice uh, one of the religious leaders here in verse, uh, the next verse here in 14. And the ruler of the synagogue answered with indignation because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath day or the wrong day. My God. And he said to the people, There are six days in which men ought to work in them. Therefore, come and be healed, but not on the Sabbath day. Isn't that amazing? The hypocrisy here. In verse 15, The Lord answered to him, said, You hypocrite. He didn't pull any punches here. He says, does not, does not each of you on the Sabbath loose his ox or his donkey from the stall to lead him away to watering? That's work, right? Ought, now here's what I want you to see, verse 16. Ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham. So she was a Jewish woman, a daughter of Abraham. He says, ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, notice this, whom Satan hath bound... Who bound her? The devil did. Jesus attributed this sickness and disease to a demon. He says, Ought not this woman, uh, who Satan hath bound all these 18 years, be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath day? In other words, she ought to be healed. She's a daughter of Abraham. And if you be Christ, you're Abraham's seed. Heirs according to the promise. So healing already belonged to her, but she wasn't tapping into it. She was a servant. She was a seed of Abraham. Healing belonged to her, but she wasn't walking in it. For whatever reason, she wasn't walking in it. Praise God. But Jesus said, after 18 years, be loosed. <laughs> be loosed, glory to God. And I'm telling you, there's a great loosing, praise God, for us this year, for you personally in your house. A great loosening of divine health. A great loosening of financial provision for you. A great loosening of freedom in your spiritual atmosphere, in your house, and your children, and everything else. This is the time. This is the time. The devil, he said, the Lord said, saw her in this condition for 18 years. Don't you know Jesus had compassion on her? Oh, my. Jesus was moved with compassion. Everything he did was because of his great love. And he feels the same way about me and you. He doesn't want us to be bowed over anymore. He doesn't want us to be in bondage anymore. He wants us free. Praise the Lord. He whom the sun sets free is free indeed. <sighs> Amen? See, so you're not under the curse you're blessed. You're blessed. You're so blessed. I identify with that. I identify with that. I'm a, I'm a blessed man. Hallelujah. Say, I'm healed. <laughs> Hallelujah. So, you, how, do I, how do I get loosed? You begin to say what God says about you. That's what you begin to declare what God says about you. I am free, I am free. I thank God Jesus has set me free. Well, I just don't feel, don't go by your feelings. You begin to declare and you begin to say, I am free in Jesus' name. Here's what God says about me. I believe what God says about me is the truth. Praise God. 
So why, do you, why are we so concerned about what other people think about us all the time? It's not that important what other people are thinking. If you realize how often people are thinking about you, you wouldn't care. <laughs> do you ever have a do you ever have a group picture, a family portrait or something like that? You know, and then you it, it comes back and you you see it for the first time and there's let's say 20 people are in this picture. And you look at it, who are you looking for? Do I look all right? Do I look all right there? You're not even thinking. You're not even thinking about what the other people look at. You're thinking about what you look like, okay? But they're not thinking about what you look like. They're thinking about what they look like. <laughs> Isn't that true, though? I look all right here. You know, <laughs> it's so true. It's not so. I mean, we shouldn't care that much about, not in an ignorant sense. I don't mean you'd never be rude to people, be loving to people. But what, at the end of the day, we have to ask ourselves, what does God say about me? And what he says about me is all that matters. It's all that matters. The last scripture, and I'll just do this real quickly here. Josh, bring up 2 Corinthians 8 and 9. This is the last one. I'll leave you with this. Jesus became the curse. Jesus became sin that you could become righteous. Jesus took sickness and disease so you could be healed. And then also Jesus, lastly here, he took the curse of poverty. For it says here, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, though he were rich, yet for your sake became poor, that you through his poverty might be rich. When did Jesus become poor? When did he become poverty? Here's the answer, when he left heaven. By heavenly standards, streets gold, the pearly gates, his original domain. And when Jesus came to the earth, that's when he became poor. That you might be rich. Say rich. rich. Now, is that in the Bible? Yes. It's not a dirty word. No. It's a biblical word. Now, what does the word rich mean in the, in the Greek it means a full supply, a full provision. Now, folks, that's before you ever even tithed. That's before you ever did anything. He made you rich. You're a rich person. Now, point at yourself and say, I am rich because of Jesus. He became poor that I might be rich. Amen. Amen. So, as you see yourself with these truths here, I preach myself happy this morning. I'm ready to go have a party right now. Amen. <laughs> Glory to God. He became poor that I might be rich. Praise God. So, I'll just leave you with this today because I want you to, I believe the Lord wants us to begin to meditate upon these things and ponder them and think about them. Get the, get the CD next week from this teaching here and get your notes out and go through those things again, those, those areas that Jesus became our great substitute.